You're about to hear Fletcher Powell discuss language with Kathy Petrus and Ross Petrus. As you know, he's pretty good with language. What you might not know is that he's really good with movies as well. Watching them, critiquing them, watching them. Seriously, though, Fletcher is a member of the Critics' Choice Association, which means he's legit. And he offers a brief movie review every Thursday, available wherever you get your podcasts. You should listen and then decide what to watch. Nuclear. Now, is it Crick or Creek? Coyote or Coyote? Sometimes I say library. Welcome to You're Saying It Wrong. I'm Fletcher Powell, and each episode we turn to the people who literally wrote the book on this, sister and brother team Kathy and Ross Petrus, and we'll dive into what we get wrong and sometimes what we get right when we try to speak this weird English language. Last time we attacked Academies, and we want to talk about the other major producer of overbloated, sclerotic, and otherwise obfuscatory verbiage. <laughs> We're talking bureaucraties. Uh-huh. But first, this was actually really interesting. We got another email from a listener, Ellie, from Wichita. Oh, um, Ellie. And it was about something we talked a, a, a few episodes back, uh, Prodigal. And both Ross and I thought this was a brilliant thought that didn't occur to any of us, none of us, none of the three of us. So she said, um, she enjoyed listening to it, blah, blah, blah. She said, regarding the word prodigal, I agree that it no longer refers to a wasteful young man. I waited for you, she's very polite, (laughs) to suggest that prodigal is being confused with prodigy. Mm -hmm. She said that we had an example of Jared Kushner. um, And she said he seems young and smart. Maybe the writer meant to say the prodigy returned to the White House. Yeah, you know... So so here's something, maybe a little peek behind the curtain. Uh, I this is not exactly the same thing, but I I used the word prodigious, which which uh-huh. I understand is not the same as prodigy, um, but I kind of meant it in that way, uh-huh. and and then uh, I cut it out of the episode, and so nobody heard it. Interesting. And obviously it didn't register with me because I was so busy going, yay, Ellie. Half <laughs> <laughs> ah, Fletcher already thought of it. <laughs> well, but, 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 you know, I, I didn't quite, I didn't quite use the word correctly anyway. And so I ended up cutting it out. Ha ha. That's what I do. And it makes us all sound smarter. But the thought kind of occurred to me while we were talking uh, and, and I'm glad that Ellie brought it up. Um, expl- okay, I can admit it did not because... occur to me. Okay. It did not. Yeah. So I, I mean, I'll admit to like you know the moron of the group here. I did not think prodigal prodigy. But it would. doesn't really matter if it did or not because no one. The answer, the short answer, is no one has any idea. Yeah, exactly. We did a fair amount. Of, we thought it sounded really reasonable. We thought, yeah, it must be related. She asked then, are the two words related etymologically? Oh, okay. That was a good question, and we thought, of course, they must be. Well, we were wrong. We have no one has any idea. Oh. We went back to the origins of prodigal. It goes back from it goes back into the Latin prodigere, which means to drive away, uh, waste something. So we thought, well, maybe, you know, to drive out. So prodigal obviously means to drive someone out. The guy comes back or whatever. But then prodigy doesn't seem to come from the same root. It does have the first word pro, which is Latin, but idiom or idiom, no one has any idea where it comes from. It <laughs> might come from that. Wow. We don't know. <sighs> Fascinating. Yeah, that surprised me. A mystery. 
a word mystery. Word mysteries, part two. <laughs> <laughs> CSI words. <laughs> well, speaking of word mysteries, I think we're getting into uh, more language that is a complete mystery to me, at least. Uh, as you said, we're going to talk about uh, bureaucraties today. Yes. Bureaucratic blather, as I like to call it. I love the word blather. Now, this is good for Ross especially, right? Because you've you've spent a lot of time in bureaucracy. Well, I, could, I maybe before we start, can I just tell a quick five-second story? Of course. Oh, do. I was in the mid-level course at the U.S. State Department. We were doing learning how to basically write memorandums of conversation. They're called memcons in diplomatic talk. <laughs> I just love that them. stuff. Go on. And basically what you do is you, you accompany uh, a higher level official and you report what was said in the conversation. Now, the teacher told us when we do, we were doing practice ones. The teacher said when we do this, he goes, it's not everything that was said. It was what Washington needs to know what was said so they can basically make decisions back in, in D.C., so he goes, let's go. So they did a fake one now. I'm accompanying the ambassador to meet the um, prime minister of uh, Blagistan. And I want you, he said, to report exactly what happened, but not exactly. I mean, I want you to report the only the important things that happened. So basically the talk was uh, the U.S. ambassador is presenting his credentials to the prime minister of Blagistan and says the U.S., wants to have good relations and the prim, the president of Pakistan goes, we do too. And back and forth, we value us. We value Blagistan. We hope our two peoples can join together, et cetera, et cetera. Now the guy goes, I want you to only write what is important. So I wrote us ambassador meets president of Blagistan, normal diplomatic conversation, normal diplomatic boilerplate. That was it. He said, I want you to be as terse as possible. I thought, boy, I got this one down. I was almost kicked out of the course. He said, I was joking. It was really rude. I didn't understand anything. And I thought, it's all boiler. It's all boilerplate. It doesn't mean anything. What are the salient points? There are none. There are none. Mm -hmm. They're just doing for the normal. And that's bureaucratic blather, I think, in a nutshell. It's basically, you don't need to say this. Yeah, I remember that vaguely. I mean, I, unlike you, Rose, I was not, I mean, I, I was in the corporate world a little bit. I, a PR, forget about it. And um, I do remember, though, and I, I writing memos, and I tried to make them long. Do you mm -hmm. guys, I mean, I, I just remember that as a kid. I was like, you know, 20-something. And I remember, like, like you're saying, you know, boil it down. And I was trying not to. I was trying to, like, throw more things in to make it sound weightier i guess i thought that's what you were supposed to do i hated doing it but i did i want to say orwell talked about things that were hallmarks of bureaucratic language and like ross is saying a lot of it is that like meaningless words you're throwing in things that are, are just there to puff it you're inflating it right yeah you're filling time i think a lot of times too however on this one we're going to do a little bit of different we're going to do basically something a little bit different Another aspect of bureaucraties is taking words that mean something like trash can and calling them something that sounds a lot better and more highfalutin. <laughs> <laughs> so this we're going to give fun. so we're going to give Fletcher a quiz. <laughs> we're going to give you terms. Last time we were going on and on with uh, blather blather. This time we're going to do short terms 
and we're going to ask Fletcher for the meaning of this term. Okay. 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 These are actual words that have been found in bureaucratic uh, writing. So you want to start, Fletcher? Ready to go? Let's do it. Okay. What's a pre-family? <laughs> this is from Walt Disney Annual Report. <laughs> Woo! A pre-family. Um, ay, ay, ay. Uh, a, 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 a pregnant woman? <laughs> Ooh, that's, that's pretty clever. <laughs> now, <laughs> a pre-family is a single person or childless couple. Okay. All right. So, Fletcher, you're going to be good on this next one. No, I don't think that's fair. A childless couple can just be a family. No, they're a pre-family, okay. damn it. You're wrong, Fletcher, not Walt Disney. <laughs> that really presupposes a lot, though, doesn't it? I don't like that at all. Presuppose. Yeah. No, I agree well, with you. <laughs> call Walt Disney. Here's the next one. What's a post-family? Ew. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, uh, maybe, uh, okay, l l let's make it a, a little less dark than what entered my head. How about empty nesters? Good. That's one, but the dark is also correct, I suspect. <laughs> yeah. Yep, widows and widowers. Mm, okay. Speaking of pre and post, in this case, okay, what is permanent? This is for the United States Department of Defense, which is a wonderful wealth of bureaucraties. What is permanent pre-hostility? Permanent pre-hostility. <laughs> Permanent pre-hostility. Permanent pre-hostility. Yeah. You are always, you are always forever in the state of being pre-hostile. I didn't like that, actually. I, I, I agree with Fletcher on the permanent aspect. That always bothered me. Ross, it's the Department of Defense. You can't argue <laughs> <I know>. with <laughs> them. <laughs> they okay. got the big per guns. <laughs> permanent pre-hostility was their definition of peace. But I thought it oh, should be impermanent pre-hostility. Oh, that's horrid. Pre-hostility? <laughs> definition of peace is permanent pre-hostility. I mean, again, that, that supposes that hostility is always lurking there, right? Because it is. It's, because it's pre-hostility. <laughs> Ugh. This is horrible. I think that we should remember. All we are saying is give permanent pre-hostility a chance. <laughs> yeah, is, it's really nice. <laughs> I know. And speaking of like, uh, what is violence proce processing? Violence processing. Violence processing. <laughs> also, we'll give you a hint. Also, the Department of Defense. Yes, of course. Uh, <laughs> let's put it this way. It's the opposite of permanent pre-hostility. <laughs> <laughs> War. Well, combat. Combat. Yeah. So it, I, I suppose if you were to write some sort of PR uh, statement about that and, and about how you could win the war, it would be violence processing solutions. Oh, well like said. It. You got a job, Fletcher. Yes, thank you. Well, I'm just thinking now, war and peace, violence processing, and permanent pre-hostility. <laughs> <laughs> that has a really good ring to it. <laughs> yeah. Bestseller, baby. <laughs> you know, it's funny that we're laughing. We're laughing right now at these words. But this is an interesting one. Collateral damage, mm -hmm. which refers to civilian casualties. And we got these from a... a a long time ago. This is from the Vietnam War, this U.S. Department of Defense, these words. And collateral damage was, when we were when we looked at the article, was laughing at that word. They said it was jargon, you know, it was really silly, etc. But that's entered into the English language. Yeah, collateral sure. damage, I mean, yeah. it's entered into normal conversation. We don't laugh when we hear that anymore, which is interesting. No. 
Well, okay. There was also, um, which I thought was a temporary meadows was another one mm-hmm. we ran across. Remember that was like haw, 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 which is a clear cut forest. They use that. That's yeah. like a, that's a regularly entered term now. I've never heard that before. We have to read more government reports, Fletcher. Yeah, well, yeah, true. because we have, I mean, Fletcher, next time you go into butterfly uh, study, you can read this article. Butterflies take advantage of contemporary forestry, clear cuts as temporary grasslands and meadows. Mm. Hmm. I mean, so if you're like a scientist doing, you know, we're basically talking earlier, we were talking about, you know, the idea that jargon sometimes has real value. This this one does, apparently. However, <laughs> let's go now to the Massachusetts Department of Public Works. And Fletcher, when you're driving along and you see a ground mounted confirmatory route marker, what do you see? <laughs> a ground mounted confirmatory route marker. Um, a, uh, a highway sign? Hey! <laughs> Fletcher could be a bureaucrat. Yeah, thank you. Okay, yep. now, I got one. Okay, now, this is, what is <laughs> a hair management system? A floby. No! Oh, a floby! I love flobies. A <laughs> swimming cap, of course. Wow! A oh, okay. Manage- a hair management system. A speedo. System. This is a speedo term. And I love this. We found the, uh, uh, it was the press release about it. And they refer to the first hydrodynamically efficient, easy to use, and comfortable hair management system. Ah, that's magical. Mm-hmm. Makes you want to cry. Well, speaking of crying, you're in the hospital, going to see a friend, and you look down, you see negative patient care outcome. Ooh. What happened to your friend? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, I might be planning a wake is what happened. (laughs) (laughs) You got it. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, I guess it's done just to strip the emotion. In that case, to strip the emotion out of it. I mean, uh, there's a lot of people dying probably in hospitals, right? And and, Presumably, yeah. And I mean, just to to, um, anesthetize everybody emotionally, is, is that... It's sort of right, but we from we did a little bit of research on this one, and it seems to be a lot of it seems to be we don't want to get sued, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. used apparently more often with what they call iatrogenic error, when possibly the hospital or the doctor made a mistake oh. and basically killed the patient. <sighs> well, it's passive negative patient care outcome. Like, we didn't make a mistake. It happened. Is basically That's what actually saying. a really good point, Ross, you made, because we were talking about that before. In general, bureaucraties, it's putting things into the passive um, passive construction is a big deal with it. And, I, and, and I, I, I'm interested, Ross, that you said that because it never occurred to me, but you're right. It's like a mistake occurred. It's yes. not like I screwed up. It's not even a mistake occurred. it's not even a mistake an outcome, yeah, right. an outcome occurred that happened to be negative yeah, right. yeah. everything uh, everything everything is so much darker and more nefarious than i think isn't it it's all, everything mm-hmm. everything's done to escape responsibility read more hobbs trust uh, me <laughs> this one now ross i think okay Ross found, I found this one, Ross, actually, wasn't it, Ross? And you said it's actually not bad. Okay. I think this is jargon. Ross claims it's not. So what do you think, Fletcher? Organoleptic analysis. Um, I mean, if I came across that in, you know, People Magazine, I I would 
be very confused. Can you give me some context? I don't. I, it see it seems pretty jargony, but I don't. I don't okay, know. Okay, I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give some context here. Basically, it was. It was. This was in a list of things saying this is stupid. It's smell, taste, a consumer experience for smell, taste, or sense. And now I'm gonna give you the sign. The the. It's basically a. a it's used in gauging a market's a product's shelf life and marketability. Organoleptic analysis is an important aspect in gauging what a product's shelf life is, marketability is, etc. And it goes into the, the sensory aspects of a uh, consumer. Like, basically, you're buying, I don't know, uh, uh, an orange. Does it smell good after four months? Maybe not. You're buying vitamin E supplements are they rancid okay I agree with you now because every example I'm finding is is about is is in trade publications olive oil times used it yeah and I think it kind of makes sense because it it's not just the smell it's the taste mm-hmm. and if you said sensory analysis sort of yeah but not necessarily like I don't know I think it sort of works to me yeah I think it was unfair that that was included in the article I mean about. I guess you could say sensory analysis. But sensory analysis, for some reason, doesn't work for me. We go back know, to maybe... con- we go back to context too. Like Fletcher was saying before, um, arguing about the other uh, episode a couple a little while ago about um, what do you call it? Uh, Academies. This is being written. It, it sounds jargony, but you're writing for the audience that understands organoleptic analysis. Yeah. So it's 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 the right way to put it. Why would you? And make now it... all three of us know a new word. <laughs> Organoleptic. <laughs> How am I going to use it? I don't know. Next time we should be, or should we put this into the reutilization marketing yard? Reutilization marketing yard. Yes. <laughs> no, I I I I have no idea. I don't even know. Is this a is this an actual physical place? Well, it's not a place of the imagination. <laughs> well, I mean, it could be a, a cyber place, right? <laughs> Let's put it this way. If you go into this reutilization marketing yard, you might have rather negative organoleptic analysis <laughs> would there Would there be a negative patient outcome? <laughs> no. But, okay. Well, okay. unless well, like something horrible happened in said place. <laughs> but the organoleptic uh, experience might not be... Might not be great. Uh, a reutilization marketing yard. Marketing yard. I can, I got. I don't know. I don't know what this could be. L- Tell l- me. Let's do one more thing. Something from the reutilization marketing yard <laughs> might fall on your head, in which case you would need a thermal therapy unit <laughs> place there. <laughs> uh, no, I, I I really I really can't can't figure this one. Okay, that's a junkyard. Okay, a reutilization marketing municipalities yard. in the states. Oof. I have no idea why they don't just say junkyard, but well, junk junk doesn't sound some, like something you would want to reutilize, does it? No. Well, we I re- reutilize junk a lot, <laughs> but you don't want to say it. But Ross. you don't want to say <laughs> junk. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're reutilizing marketing or something. I don't know. No, I love thrift stores. <laughs> okay, now this is a dis- depressing one, but maximum incapacitation. I mean, that sounds like death to me. Okay, yeah. It's like killing or death penalty. Either way, it's either state-sanctioned death or just killing someone. Yes. Okay, now you're at a rodeo, Fletcher. 
As I am often. Yes. <laughs> and you're about to report something that you just saw, which was an aggravated bovine ejection. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just love this That's one. great. I, I really like that. I assume that means somebody got bucked off the, uh, the <laughs> yeah. whatever they call them, bull. No, I, mean, I want a t-shirt. Aggravated bovine ejection. <laughs> why would you have to, like, why would you ever use that? that? In, why would you ever I, I assume that? insurance purposes. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think it's kind of like what you were saying before about the uh, negative patient outcome. Yeah. It? it just makes it sound a little yeah. nicer, a little softer. Actually, you're right. <laughs> I, I like that. I, I actually like this one, Ross. I'm, I'm highlighting the one I would like to do. Yeah. It's just, there's something sort of sweet about it. A pupil station. A, a pupil station. Okay, this could e <laughs> this could either have something to do with your eyes or it could have something no, to do with school. It is not, it uh, is not an right, OHO thing. Right. So, so <laughs> I'm going to assume it, it's, it's about students. Uh, a pupil station is maybe just your desk in, in the, uh -huh. yeah, yeah, pupil station. As academies, you can sit at your pupil station. <laughs> okay. Let's keep going. Um, I liked this one from the defense department. Again, going back to them, you're out in the field and you get a frame-supported tension structure. Speaking of tents. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Is it a tent? <laughs> yes. Uh, wow. Hey, okay. As, as someone who's, who's worked in, in a bureaucracy, Ross, do they just have like a writer's room who sits around and tries to come up with these terms? Like how, how does this develop? Do you have any idea? Well, the Defense Department is... is basically the most guilty and I, I really don't I don't know yeah. I don't see how they do it I can see though how when you're I mean you have to deal you're always dealing with the you know the problem that you have the public looking at you mm -hmm. and so you want to be as technically correct and as precise as possible but I don't know I mean this one from the Department of Defense I mean this one just I have no idea why they'd ever do this one what is a wood interdental stimulator Wood interdental stimulator. Uh, I mean, that sounds like uh, it sounds like a, like a piece of something you'd shove in your mouth. Yep, but it's called a toothpick a in tooth English. Toothpick. Wow, a wood interdental but stimulator. I do think a lot of the Defense Department ones, though, do come from uh, dealing a lot of times with uh, contractors. Yeah, you're mm -hmm. dealing with giant companies, and you basically, basically, the company itself is trying to. Uh, I mean, it's a lot better to spend fifty dollars on a box of two, of uh, interdental stimulators. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, 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 th I think you mean more like fifty thousand dollars on a box of interdental <laughs> yeah, exactly. stimulators. But I do, I, I would like to just somehow track this from beginning to end. It's you know, okay, okay, we've got a tent, you know, and and then coming coming out on the other side, it's whatever you said, a frame supported frame supported tension structure. Tension structure. I want I want to see the development from from the beginning tent to the end the frame supported tension structure like everything that goes on in between I want to know that path. Well, yeah, <laughs> me too. I, I we go back to though because frame supported tension structure just is fancy. You know, it's like well, but there you know like, I mean I, I don't I don't feel like the defense department is going to do something just to be fancy. Now, probably it is, it is all this, um, you know, contract money. Yeah. Money. I think yeah. it's a contracting. I, I would think assume a lot of it. I think it's all about money because you would pay 379 bucks for a frame supported tension structure. You would pay 20 for a tent. Yeah. Yeah. You? But, 
but who I I don't know. I, even knowing that, I want I want to know. I want to know the process that goes through. How many eyes are on this? Who comes up with it? Wait, how many people? How many voices are there that go into that to get to end up with that mm. that statement? Right. I think also lawyers get into it too. Yeah. I mean, we have, this is one. This is one that's not government, but uh, there was a term used at a Pittsburgh Steel Company, and they had the company was indefinitely idled. What they did was they shut down the mill and basically got rid of all the employees. But when you're doing that, indefinitely idled makes it much harder to sue the company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Idled sounds like it could like come back. Know, yeah. So you're not as anxious to do that. And I think that same process probably goes into bureaucraties. And I'm like interjecting. I told you, I'm sorry, Ross. Go, go. No, interject. Uh, I just looked up frame-supported tension structure, and it's also frame-supported tensile structure. And actually, it's not necessarily merely a tent. It's that a lot of them look sort of more like, you know, like either a Bucky, uh, Bucky Ball-y sort of thing, like a Buckminster Fuller geodesic dome. I mean, what they are are frames that form a load-bearing structure without the aid of fa- fabric or pliable material. So... Well, that basically answers Fletcher's question, though. Yeah. So we're basically getting into, like, more precise terms which would go also with the contractors so you're not just making a tent you're making this specific kind of tent which we all know is called a thing you know whatever yeah i mean to us it's nothing but these are definitely steel frames with stuff over them and you don't have to like pitch it like the old days you know what i mean yeah that makes sense okay i i I, still doesn't explain the toothpicks it doesn't nor does it explain decommissioned aggressor quantum what's that quantum quantum uh, decommissioned aggressor quantum. Aggressor quantum. Uh, I mean, a, 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 it's just it's a it's a, a, a some sort of weapon that doesn't work anymore. No. Okay. Quantum. We're doing we're doing quantum in the sense of number. Mm. So it's basically this is bizarre. It's enemy troops who don't survive bombing attacks. A decommissioned aggressor quantum. So some number of people who died in a bombing attack. Okay, so but right. vice versa. What's an interdictional non-succumber? <laughs> uh, say that. Oh, again. that's easy. Those are people who are decommissioned aggressor quantos. <laughs> 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 who are not decommissioned. I'm sorry. They're commissioned aggressor oh, quantos. Th- so that they're the ones who survived the bombing attack? <laughs> yes. But here, I, I think here we go into, we were talking earlier with the Akamadis, the last thing. I think these are done basically to show... Uh, greater import than is necessary these are done to basically puff you up these are to show you're really an expert i think i don't think these are they're not necessary well it may not like it may also be done to control the narrative in the media right i mean if if Mm -hmm. people if people understand that there are a lot of people dying then that becomes a little bit of a problem sometimes Mm -hmm. i remember reading you know i used to read the book of lists and for some reason this stuck in my head all these years I remember reading about a general or somebody getting angry at the media because they he said, you're always printing that we're bombing, bombing, bombing. It's not bombing, it's air support. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I remember, I remember that. that. Yeah. yeah. And so it, it seems like that is also a motivation here is to con- control how the information gets out and, and what it means. I, I totally agree. I think you want, I think there, there's a time and a place you want to be obfuscatory because then you don't get people going like, ah, about things because they don't know. Even maybe for yourself, 
you're not like in your, you're not killing people. Mm-hmm. You're decommissioning aggressor quant, you know, you're decommissioning aggressor quantum. So I think that even it makes you feel better too, I think mm-hmm. probably. Mm-hmm. It just sounds though, like the, I, I keep thinking of quantum of solace, the uh, James Bond movie, mm-hmm. which confused everybody. The title There's something about that decommissioned aggressor quantum that really slays me. No pun intended. On that one, we have another one here. This is a pure, this is a corporate one. Implementing a lean concept of synchronous organizational structure. A lean concept of synchronous organizational structure. It sounds to me like they have fired a lot of people. And you got it. Yeah. yeah. You got yeah. it. The lean Ugh. is what gets you. Uh, yeah. But what is a, the, the synchronous organizational structure, frankly, is what fascinates me. What is what is that? I, I assume they've combined some uh, departments. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's that simple. Yeah, they're streamlining. Yeah. It's leaner. It's yeah, streamlining. Right. You got to get rid of people. Yeah. Great. I mean, some of these, though, I think are bogus. And we found one that said a portable handheld communications inscriber. Inscriber? Yes. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I, it seems like a tablet or something that you're writing on. I'm not really sure. It was a pencil. And oh. I don't believe that, actually. I don't believe it either. I think that's one of the ones where somebody started being, like, really clever. Yeah, and then we found this. I looked for it. A dynamic entry portal. A, a door? Which is a door. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I but think I that's... Up... <laughs> I do like that, though. Go on. I'm sorry. <laughs> I do, too. <laughs> I also liked, I also liked as you get older, Fletcher, you could now be termed a chronologically experienced citizen. <laughs> you oh, can look gosh. forward to that i gotta tell you guys i'm sorry yeah dynamic bold identifiable access points at street level offering dynamic entry portals along the frontage oh my gosh i'm looking at it too <laughs> well when i get up i'm gonna go through the dynamic. <laughs> no no we don't want to know where you're going ross thank you <laughs> Wait a minute. I think I can Oh, we do have one. Are you going to the natural amenity unity? (laughs) No, we have an indoor amenity unity. (laughs) The natural amenity unity is an outhouse. (laughs) Yes. It's about uh, just a hole you dig in the ground is is very natural. Yeah, really. And now we've gone to toilet humor (laughs) (laughs) it had to happen am i right am i right we ended up where we always do (laughs) you're saying it wrong as part of the npr podcast network and is produced by me fletcher powell in the studios of kmuw in wichita kansas Kathy Petrus records from her home in Granada, Spain. Ross Petrus records from his home in Toronto, Ontario in Canada. Our digital team is Beth Golay, Jordan Kirtley, and Carly Cooper. If you like what we're doing here on the show, please tell everyone you know and leave us a rating and a review on your podcast platform of choice. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can email me at powell at kmuw.org or email them at kandrpetrus at gmail.com. The book, You're Saying It Wrong, was published by 10 Speed Press, and you can find that and Kathy and Ross's other books pretty much anywhere you get books. We recommend your local independent bookstore. And a number of their books are also available on audiobook, read by the authors themselves. 
Kathy and Ross are always up to something. You can find out more about what they're doing at their website, kandrpetras.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks. It started as a normal day. What if the truth about the greatest tragedy of your life was kept secret from you? A huge explosion occurred. This is the story of a scandal deliberately buried in the chaos of the Iraq war. What, what really just happened? Listen to NPR's Embedded podcast in its latest series, Taking Cover.